0: Now, if you will, will you take out your Bibles with me, and I'll ask today that you turn with me to the book of Philippians, chapter 3. Philippians, chapter 3. We take a break from going through Ephesians verse by verse, and we'll take a look at just the next book over, Philippians, chapter 3, here in just a moment. Now, for ministers, Easter is a big pressure day, if you, you don't know that. Uh, as you come upon the Easter week as a minister, the big pressure all week is to hit a home run sermon, to just preach the, the best sermon you've ever preached, to ratchet it up, and to have people just in awe of, of the energy and the feel and the vibe, to make it a really big deal. And I, I'm not going to lie, that pressure gets to me as well, and it, it even got to me this past week until... Just a couple days ago, where the Lord put something on my heart, and ever since I've been as cool as the other side of the pillow, if you will, not worrying about it at all. And what He impressed upon me, what He showed me a couple days ago, was this You can't improve upon the simple truth that Jesus rose from the grave. You just can't improve upon it. That's as good as it gets. It doesn't need bells and whistles. It doesn't need my own fancy ideas. The truth of the resurrection is like a hungry, ferocious lion. You don't need to dress him up and put him on display. You just need to let him out of his cage and watch what happens with your jaw hanging open. That's what needs to happen. Jesus is alive today, people. Jesus is alive today. He died. And he stayed dead for a couple days. And then, his heart beat. And his his muscles began to twitch. And he found strength in his hands and his arms and his legs again. And he inhaled air into his lungs again. And he sat up. And he opened his eyes. And he swung his feet and his legs off of that stone platform. And he stood up. And he breathed. And he walked out of the grave. Never to die again. He is alive today. And you just can't improve upon that. You can't make it any better than it is. But in light of that, I'd like to ask us a question today. I'd like to ask all of you a question. If the resurrection were not true, would it make a difference in your life? If the Easter story were false, would it actually make a difference in your life practically? Would anything change? I'm here to tell you, if the Easter story is false, this is all just a big waste of time. Everything we are doing. If the Easter story is false, there's no reason to be here today or any other Sunday. If the Easter story is false, I wouldn't come to church another day in my life. And I would quit my job, and I would go live a much different life. And I tell you what, it'd probably be a much easier life in many ways. Because if the resurrection is not true, if the Easter story is false, this is all a waste of time. But if it's true, if it is true, then it changes everything. It changes absolutely everything. If this man, Jesus, really did rise from the dead, never to die again, well, either You have to face up to everything he said and every claim he ever made. Or you have to put your fingers in your ears and go la, la, la and act like it never happened. And just avoid it and suppress the truth. But what you cannot do is dismiss anything from a man who died and didn't stay dead. If that happened today with someone today in our world... Everything that person said, everything that person did, we would have to face up to it and reckon with it. If he really did come back from the dead and not stay dead and never die again. And this is what we have with Jesus. So if it's true, it changes everything. If it's not true, we're all wasting our time. If it's true, it changes everything. And you've got to suppress that truth and avoid it or face up to everything he said and every claim he ever made. Let me read to you our text today. And we're just going to focus briefly on one verse in Philippians 3. But for context, I want you to see what Paul is saying and what the Lord is saying to us through the Apostle Paul. Philippians 3, starting in verse 7, we'll go down to verse 11. This is God's word. Paul writes, But whatever gain I had... and the power of his resurrection, and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. I want you to see in verse 10 how Paul says that he wants to know the power of Jesus' resurrection. He wants to know the power of his resurrection. And so my question to each and every one of you is this. Have you experienced your own resurrection? Have you experienced your own resurrection? Because in scripture, coming to faith and being saved is spoken of as a resurrection. You are raised from the dead. Colossians 2 verse 12 talks about our baptism like this. Colossians 2 12 says, When we were buried with him in baptism... Buried with him. And then it says, in which, in that same baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him, Christ, from the dead. Buried in baptism and raised from that death in baptism. And so, have you experienced your own resurrection? Have you been born again, as Jesus says, born again to newness of life? Have you experienced the power of Jesus's resurrection in your own life? That's a question for every single one of us. Do not assume that because you are in a church building on Easter Sunday, that you are saved. Do not assume that because you are here today, That you have been born again. That is not all there is to it. That is hardly all there is to it. Have you experienced your own resurrection? Now that question comes to those particularly who do not yet know Christ. But there's another question that comes to those of us who do know Christ. And it's have you not just experienced this power, but do you know this power? Do you know the power? Brothers and sisters in Christ, do you know the power of his resurrection? That's what Paul is saying right here in verse 10. Paul wants to know the power of the resurrection of Jesus. Is the resurrection more than just an idea to you? Do you know its power? I've experienced the power of a fast car with a big engine. I've experienced that power, okay? I've experienced it, but I would not say I know that power. I don't know that power like a Craig Watson or like a Brett Russell might know the power of a car engine. I mean, these guys have like a relationship with car engines. All right. They know the power. There's a difference, you see. Between experiencing the power of something and knowing the power. Brothers and sisters, do you know the power of Jesus' resurrection in your own life today? As Christians, we will spend the rest of our lives getting to know this power. And the amazing thing is, God has made it accessible. God has made it to where you can know it. Because it's a power that dwells inside of you constantly. If you are saved, if you are a Christian, this power of the resurrection actually dwells inside of you constantly. Paul says in Ephesians chapter one, verse 19, that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in all believers. This power is the Holy Spirit of God. Paul puts it like this in Romans chapter eight, verse 11. If the spirit who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. The same Spirit, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in every single believer. And so by experiencing the Spirit, By tapping into the Spirit and by growing in your knowledge of the Spirit, you are coming to know the power of His resurrection. But notice how that's not all Paul said in verse 10. He didn't just say that I may know the power of His resurrection. What he said was that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection. That I may know Him. The resurrection is true. And many people believe that, especially around here in a place like Columbia, Kentucky, Bible Belt America. A lot of people believe that the resurrection is true. We believe that Jesus died and rose again. But if you don't know Christ personally, it doesn't actually make a difference in your life. If you don't know him, You may know that he rose from the dead, but if you don't know him, it's not going to make a difference. Do you know him today? Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 21. He says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. I've said it before. I believe this is the most frightening passage in all the Bible. Because, what if we come up to Jesus on judgment day fully expecting to be led into heaven, fully expecting to hear, Well done, good and faithful servant, and all of a sudden all those expectations are shattered for all eternity. There's no more second chance, and Jesus says, No, you're out. You're shut out. You won't be going in. And you fully expected to hear, Well done. You fully expected to be in heaven for all eternity, and it's not. It's hell. It's the scariest verse in all the Bible to me, because I can't imagine what that might feel like. And so the question is not just, do you believe that Jesus died and rose again? Plenty of people give assent to that truth, to that fact. Do you know him? Do you know Jesus? There will be many at the judgment who say to Jesus, but I came to church a lot. I prayed before meals. We even prayed in your name. Our family, we always said we were Christians. I was baptized when I was a kid. I lived a respectful life, Jesus. But did you know him? Did you know him? Everything else is rubbish, Paul says right here in our text everything else is rubbish if I can just know Christ. I want to point you to John 17 we'll have this on the screen here John 17 as Jesus prayed for his disciples in the upper room right before that right after that last supper that, that Richard just talked about in his communion meditation, this final prayer of Jesus is for his disciples. He says in John 17, 3, this is eternal life. And whatever comes next, you know it's got to be huge. It's on the screen, you see it. But whatever comes next after Jesus says this is eternal life, it's got to be huge. What does Jesus say eternal life is? This is eternal life, he says. That they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That's eternal life, according to Jesus. Knowing God and knowing Christ. And I'm here to tell you right now, that is not church attendance every now and then. Knowing Christ is something much deeper than that. Now, if you're sitting here this morning and you say, then how do I do it? Because I don't want to be in hell. How do I come to know Christ? It starts right here. It starts right here. This is the primary means by which God has revealed himself to us. If you want to know him, if you want to know Christ, come to him through his word. Pursue the knowledge of Jesus through the word of God, through the Bible. But I'm here to tell you, you can't know Christ unless you do what Paul says in verse 10 at the end. Unless you become like him in his death. You can't know Christ unless you become like him in his death. If you want to know him, if you want to know the power of his resurrection, you must die. You must die. And we're not talking physical death. We're all going to do that even if we don't try. No, you must die to yourself. You must die to sin. You must become like Jesus in his death by going through a death of your own. Jesus gave up his life and then received it back so that all who are willing to give up their lives to him would then receive eternal life. Listen to the words of Jesus in John chapter 5 verse 25. Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Have you heard the voice of the Son of God in your heart? Those who hear will live But I'm here to tell you, not all will hear. Not all have ears to hear. The time is coming. It's now here, Jesus says, when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God. And those who hear will live eternal life. And so if you are sitting there today saying, how would someone go about doing this? I I feel like I, I hear the conviction of the Holy Spirit and the voice of the Son of God inside of me. What do I do? What do I do? I think the first step is you need to tell someone. If you want to come to know Christ, if you want to come to die to yourself and die to sin and be saved, tell someone. Tell someone who has already done it. Tell someone who knows. And if you're serious... They will help lead you through repenting of your sins and confessing Jesus as your Lord and being baptized into his name. That is the offer Christ gives to every single one of us today. He died and rose again so that any who are willing to die for him could be raised to newness of life, could have life eternal It can be yours. It can be anyone's today. All it takes is the the heart to come to Jesus in humility and to say, save me. Please save me. I cannot save myself. Save me, Lord. Save me, Jesus, from my sins. That's what I'll leave you with today. The joy and the glory of the resurrection should lead us to examine our hearts And asked if we have experienced our own resurrection. Have we died and become like Jesus in his death? And have we been raised to newness of life? Are you ready for the return of Christ? He is alive today. The Bible tells us he is at the right hand of the Father. Awaiting the word from the Father to return. And when he returns, Revelation says every eye will see him. Even those that pierced him, and all will wail on account of him. It will not be a joyful occasion for the entire world, only for some, only for those who long for his appearing, only for those who are ready. Are you ready? We're going to spend a few moments right now in silent prayer. And as we do, we ask that you go to the Lord and respond to the word that he has laid upon your heart. As we pray together, we ask that every single one pray silently and respond to the Lord. And as you do so, here in the next few moments, afterward we'll come back and then we'll have a time where anyone who needs to respond to God's word publicly can do so. So right now, let's spend just a few moments together in silent prayer.